Welcome to the MTM Vegas Podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you. As a reminder, you can watch this entire show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. That's youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. We record two shows a week on Tuesdays and Fridays, release them on YouTube, and then combine them into this audio podcast once a week for your listening enjoyment. We hope you enjoy it. If you do like the show, consider leaving us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app. It helps us out tremendously. And as a final reminder, you can find all of our Vegas content, that's posts, podcasts, and videos at mtmvegas.com. Thanks again for listening. Let's hit it. So Mark, once again, Mark Wahlberg is on the strip bartending. I think this is like the fourth time since he's moved here, fifth time, something like that. It seems like every month there's a new picture of him bartending somewhere on the strip. This guy is just Mr. Las Vegas these days. He's everywhere, all around the city. I mean, you would think if it was like Wahlburgers and he wants to go in there to promote his restaurant, that would make sense. But it's kind of crazy him just going to random spots. And I don't know if this plays into him trying to get all the studio money and everything and just trying to be like beloved by Vegas and and all that but I mean it'd be cool if you're in a restaurant all of a sudden Mark Wahlberg shows up I know my wife would be super excited about it (laughs) yeah so book him at your next grand opening I guess I don't know it's uh, interesting to see him all over the city but uh, the city loves him I mean the press he's everywhere yeah I wonder how much his cameo is for that Mark, we can't uh, start the show without talking about Hurricane Hillary, the storm that never really came to Las Vegas, but uh, there was a lot of craziness around this. And we got an early storm like a couple days before the actual storm came, and it was pretty bad. We saw crazy lightning. Area 15 uh, shared some photos over their tower of like crazy lightning storms. We got some flooding, and we were all prepared for this crazy weekend, but the storm sort of passed to the left of us, and uh, we didn't get too much. You know, you had link flooding, beautiful waterfalls over at Lake Powell and Mount Charleston actually did get a lot of flooding too. So there is some stuff there. Hope everybody's okay. But for the most part, we just got cool temperatures and just a little bit of rain. Not bad at all. I mean, the, the link floods if like somebody spills a Slurpee. So that's not surprising at all. But I can't believe they haven't fixed that in some way now. But no, the waterfalls cascading into Lake Powell was really cool to see. Mount Charleston looks like it got the worst of it. Uh, kind of crazy up there with the landslide type of thing going on. But, you know, Vegas didn't get hit too bad. But I should say Lake Mead, whoever owns a boat out there i feel bad for you i hope it's uh, not too damaged uh, but it's just crazy those you know the the boat docks didn't look very secure they look kind of like makeshift boat docks i don't know what the deal is with that if they pull them out a lot or or what but it looked like plywood and stuff didn't look like the best setup out there for a storm they've had to move the marina a few times so i don't know what that's about but like i said the pre-storm like caused all kinds of havoc here and then the actual storm was a bunch of nothing, so uh, or a lot of nothing for most people. So that's good. But yeah, it was crazy. I think we were all just holding our breath. And maybe the media sensationalized it just a little bit. And of course, Los Angeles no did get hit pretty hard. Southern California got a lot of rain. But even I don't think they got quite the extent of the storm. It fell apart a lot. So there wasn't the wind and the quite everything that they had expected it to be. 78 degrees in the middle of August is fantastic. So the temperatures have just been spectacular. I mean, if anybody's been in Las Vegas, yeah, it's been cloudy. There's been some rain but it's nice to just go outside and not be hot yeah i mean that's you know what you see in like the northern states type of weather in the summer and and we've seen the southern states get hammered 100 110 we talked about your air conditioning bill last month so i'm glad that your your pockets are are feeling a little bit you know a little uh release a relief uh, from uh, that ac bill so that's good to see and i'm sure everybody's enjoying that that break from the heat so maybe we'll just roll right into fall and it won't won't get too hot again yeah turn off the air conditioner turn off the water for a few 
few days, save some money because both those bills are ridiculous uh, these days. Did you put buckets out to catch water? I saw people doing that on Twitter and he's like, I'm putting these buckets out to catch water to throw them on the, the plants and stuff. And the guy's like, well, doesn't the rain do that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't, uh, I didn't quite uh, see that uh, craziness. Going on. We don't know how to handle any of this stuff. This is just all new to us. All right, so let's uh, update everybody on the Venetian parking. We talked about how they're implementing paid parking and how you get free parking. Locals get three free hours. And Grazi Premier and above get uh, free self-parking. And one of the commenters pointed out that to get that status, you only need to spend $334 on a hotel room or about $1,000 in the casino. So... Uh, they're not really, you know, we talked about validating parking, stuff like that. I guess in a way, this is sort of that. Not a high spend threshold, but they do want to make sure you spend some money. So uh, if you're staying there, though, I imagine anybody staying there is going to spend $334 uh, in the hotel. So you probably will get that status. Yeah. And if I, you know, if I worked on the strip or near the strip and needed to park down there a lot or go to a lot of events and lived in the area, I think that'd be the place I'd probably do my gambling or dining until I hit that status. And, you know, that's that's probably the easiest obtainable status outside of, you know, getting credit cards or, or something like that for MGM and, and things of that uh, nature. But for just pure spend, I can't think of anything that's a better deal uh, or return to value. Kudos to the commenter for pointing that out. I think that's a, a really good hack for if you need to park or you're coming from California or something like that. Uh, you know, it's perfect. So what's not perfect is Martin Yan. Uh, Mark, do you remember? This is the guy that neither of us had heard of, and then we got roasted in the we comments. so he, much hate. Because he was on PBS for, like, <laughs> decades and decades and decades, and we didn't know who he was. Uh, he opened his new restaurant at uh, Horseshoe. I, uh, was it four or five months ago? It was not a long time ago. And it has already closed. So I told Mark, I said, I guess we didn't really need to learn who he was. Uh, he's not going to be opening up multiple restaurants would be my guess. It just didn't do well. Overpriced. The food was okay, according to reviews. But uh, Martin Yan out at Horseshoe. Yeah, I mean, the only person I know from PBS is Bob Ross, the legendary, uh, you know, the goat of all time for uh, PBS TV. Even if it's like not a great launch or the food's not great, you know, to close this quickly is kind of a shock. Because we've seen how much they put into these restaurants, just retrofitting them and design and all that stuff, multiple millions of dollars. So usually they hang on for a while, you know, at least a year or two uh, to see if they can make it work or, or tweak it. But so this is crazy. I wonder if there's something else going on there. And the Horseshoe just did this whole refurbish, you know, bring in all these new restaurants and to have one of your big celebrity chefs go out so quickly isn't a good sign for them. Yeah, it's not a good sign, but uh, I guess the writing must have been on the wall for them to pull the plug so quickly. How bad could this restaurant have been uh, performing and you know we'll see what they do in that space clearly they'll come up with a new concept but uh yeah we never got to try it so i don't know we're gonna have to forget all about martin again they should have been smashing potatoes on the table uh and then they would have been a you know a success yeah martha stewart should have consulted on uh on this restaurant so speaking of restaurants i got a chance to walk through aria's food hall uh, the other day and this is the replacement for their buffet we talked about it before but i got some good video of it so i thought i'd show people really quickly the old buffet area was very orange and you know that that's the best way i can describe it it was a buffet right but that whole area was orange it was big and they've changed it into this food hall and i like it i mean i walked in there first you get this sort of vibe where you see people kind of hanging out at a bar and playing games and stuff as you sort of see the exterior of it and then you can work your way into the interior with all the different food concepts but i didn't get a chance to eat there definitely want to do that on 
a future trip, but it really is an attractive space, and I think they did a great job with the old buffet space, turning it into this, and it does feel more like a food hallmark than a food court, given, you know, they have this sort of games and has more of like a hangout kind of vibe. Same kind of kiosks that you have at Resorts World, so everything kind of works the same in that way. So I think they did a good job here, and I have to try some of that stuff out. Yeah, hopefully the systems work better than they did at Resorts World the first uh, couple months there with issues on ordering and everything and food getting billed but not getting made and, and stuff like that but it does look really nice i think it's a good use of the space it definitely feels more like a food hall than even like resorts world because it's it's segregated you know you, you feel like you're in a unique area versus just like kind of along the side of the casino at least that's what it looks like from the video so i think that's nice i like the the design of it i know everybody loves their buffets but you know this is going to be open longer people don't have to pay 60 70 bucks to have dinner can go pick what they want and, and not pay a huge fee and have to fill their face to, to feel like they got value depends on the prices though were they crazy i'm assuming so yeah typical strip prices so you know high for that type of food cheaper than you'll find at a sit-down restaurant you know similar to what you'd find at cosmos food court and elsewhere that, that we've seen so you actually have three really good food courts or food halls sorry on that side of uh, the street with italy and then Freudian next up at aria you have good eats and then of course the one at uh, cosmo so uh, there's a lot of choices lots to eat in that area and uh, i think they did a good job i think it also adds like uh, vidara you know we've talked about them being connected to these other properties and how that's kind of like a hidden gem and people were complaining in the comments last week after your you brought up the mgm issues and do you get a email asking you how your stay was afterwards if you complain and a lot of people were saying Ari has been an issue and somebody said, you know, Vidara is the, the option if you want to be in that area, really. And I just wanted to point that out again. I think that's, you know, a great thing. And it ties into all these other Cosmos Food Hall, you know, Aria's Food Hall, Bellagio, Easy Connection. So I think that really is kind of the gem of MGM right now for value. Yeah, it's great with all the connections there. And speaking of the survey thing, a lot of people seem to have noticed the same thing that I did, that if you have a problem that they somehow delete the email. Some people said that they'll change the email in the system. So when the email goes out, it just goes out to a bad email address. There's some uh, conspiracies. Maybe that is actually true. Mark, we're having a bit of a golf revolution here and not the regular golf, but alternative golf, right? Top Golf came in a few years ago on the old MGM Grand Adventures site. But just in the last year, we have Atomic Golf, which is now under construction at Strat. And then was it a month, month and a half ago, the Swingers Golf, which is like this adult mini golf at Mandalay Bay was announced. Yeah, not the Swingers (laughs) Club, the Swingers Golf. And then uh, Pop Stroke, which is, I know they partner with Tiger Woods and they're expanding rapidly around the country. They're opening up a facility in Town Square. They broke ground this week. And uh, this is like, what is this, like a putting course? where you putt. So it's like yeah. actual greens where you're putting. So it's less like mini golf, right? Yeah, no windmills uh, were used in the in the creation of this uh, putt-putt course. But it's not really a putt-putt course. It's like it's like a professional level putting greens. And I think they said 36 holes. So you can play two 18s and I'm sure they'll pack it full of people. And I think that's really unique. Something you don't see, you know, everybody's been to putt-putt. But have you really gone to like a a true putting thing that, you know, professional golfers would use in a facility? So something unique to pull them in. My only issue is it's in Vegas. It's outside. It's not inside like the other ones. So what are you going to see in the summer? You know, maybe at night people will go out. But during the day, is it going to be used? You know, is this investment worth it with that type of thing? I mean, in the winter and fall and stuff, it'll be perfect. But you, we just talked about 110 degrees. I don't see anybody going out there to putt uh, when it's uh, scolding hot out. Yeah, that will be an issue there. And it's not right on the strip. I mean, it is on Las Vegas Boulevard, but this is a few miles south of what you would consider to be the main part of the strip. But this is insane. So every type of golf you could possibly have. We also have like the Kiss Mini Golf, those like black light indoor golf. So 
we have golf covered from every angle here in Las Vegas, from traditional golf down to putting greens and now adult-themed even miniature golf and, and everything else. <laughs> even empty golf courses, uh, filled, yeah. you know, surrounded by rich people complaining about it. <laughs> yeah, costing the city hundreds of millions of dollars. And speaking of that, Mark, F1, let's talk F1 for a second. They released a new pack talking about the race, and I think we learned a few new details here. Basically, it's funny because in several different spots, it's like, will I be able to see the race from the sidewalk? No, we're going to block views. There's going to be scrims and fences, and you will not be able to see this. Will I be able to see the race from pedestrian bridges? No, we're going to enclose the pedestrian bridges, quote unquote, for your safety and the safety of the drivers. Basically, uh, you're not going to see it from anywhere. We kind of knew that. And they talk about road closures. They're putting in two road bridges, which is interesting. One over Flamingo and then one over Harmon. And they're going to start installing those in October. So, like, just as they finish the paving through September, then they're going to put the road bridges in. It's one thing after the other. Nothing is going to be right until this is all done. And they're building grandstands already. So the uh, fun has already begun. Now, the the question, what I'm really interesting to, interested to hear is, you know, when this is all said and done, will the locals, people in Vegas... Will they think it was worth it? All the pain, all the suffering, all the uh, construction and stuff. And it's just going to get worse. And then that weekend will probably be hell. You know, <laughs> you will want to stay away from the strip if you're not going to the race. So I'm just curious, like, you know, how much does it bring into the city uh, money wise and, and people wise? And then was it worth all the sacrifices to get there? I don't know. If you're not going to the race, I, I couldn't even imagine wanting to be down there. Uh, if you're going to the race, I think it would be an awesome experience. But I wouldn't want to be in Vegas that weekend just to be there. And I wonder how many people are going to book it not thinking about it or realizing it and showing up and being like, oh, crap. <laughs> well, I think hotel rates will help them a little bit uh, That's to true. stay out of That's trouble true. with that. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting with these road bridges is that they're not going to be open to the public. So you're going to have to prove that you have some sort of a reservation or some reason to be in the zone where you're crossing over the bridge. So that they're not doing that for traffic purposes. Everything will still be closed. Uh, it's going to be ugly. One other thing, Ellis Island announced their own grandstands. And this is strange to me because I hadn't previously heard them announce anything. And it seems like they're rolling out these grandstands. Like maybe they gave the big players the first chance to sell their tickets. And, you know, then a few weeks later, you get eventually got the Mirage grandstands. And now we're at Ellis Island. So we just see more and more of these $1,500 for a three-day ticket, including food and drink. $5,000 for a three-night package in their hotel or motel or whatever what? uh, you have at the uh, Ellis Island. What? I think it includes a few other things. But, it yeah, should, it's crazy. It should be. Instead of $1,500 for three nights, if you get the hotel, it should be a thousand bucks because it's a super eight now the front yard which is really nice we love the front yard is going to have all kinds of stuff going on and they're going to have you know food and drink and everything so ellis island we do love it 1500 bucks a little cheaper i think than some of the other places and i was actually looking at the race course ellis island would be a really good spot uh that straightaway there would be a neat spot to watch the race compared to some of the other ones so uh, good on them but are they selling all these tickets that's the question i love ellis island i, I go there every time i pretty much i go to vegas front room is amazing i think the grandstand at 1500 bucks is about what you're going to get anywhere so i don't have a problem with that the, the five thousand dollars with room included just blows my mind because of the hotel they have attached i don't see a lot of those packages being sold i checked about a day after they announced and there was maybe a few dozen tickets sold uh, it doesn't seem like they're flying off the shelves but i'm sure there's going to be a lot of giveaways around town a lot of locals are waiting for their friend to give them free tickets to this uh you know people with jews people in the know <laughs> including myself everybody out there so you know you got to take no but seriously i think they will fill the grandstands, even if they don't sell them, right? People will find a way in, and, and they'll all do right. all that in the best Vegas way possible. And finally, I wanted to finish with this. I stumbled across this video from Vegas Mad. He's a big YouTube channel, has a lot of different uh, – he streams on a lot of different platforms. But he did a video 
with the five spin method, which is basically he went into a high roller room, but you could do this anywhere. And he played every machine in the high roller room doing five spins per machine. And apparently this is a method that a lot of slot players are using. So basically the idea, I'm gonna give the machine five spins, see if I get a bonus or whatever I get in those five spins, move on to the next one. Other people do variations with 10 spins or they do it until they get one bonus. My question to everybody out there is, does this work for you? Like, do you think you actually get a better return by doing this? Or is it just like a fun game to play? And obviously the odds are still there. So hard over time to actually win more by doing this. Yeah, I mean, the the real way to do it is to do five at once and then hop as you push the button. Exactly. Vegas Matt, you gotta, we want to see Vegas Matt running back and forth with his uh, $50 <laughs> bets on each machine. That would be great. Yeah, that would be pretty epic. Uh, yeah, I don't think any of these things necessarily work. It's just a question of, do you have more fun doing it? If you do, then... Hey, by all means, go for it. it. It gives you a little bit of, you know, instead of sitting at one machine, you get to test out a couple different machines. And a lot of people play them because they like the bonuses or something. So this gives you a taste of maybe what that machine offers you and you might not have played it otherwise. So I think that's kind of cool. Like maybe as like an exploration uh, type of thing where you're trying to find a machine that you think is good to, to use. But outside of a few people I know that like really study a machine and can tell somewhat when it's going to close to hit type of thing, depending on the way the graphic looks and stuff like that. I've never heard of a foolproof plan out there, uh, at least not one that people are putting up on YouTube. Yeah, and there isn't one, right? Because these are slot machines that you can't really tell. Yeah. Obviously, some machines have progressive that have to hit by a certain amount so you can predict on that but even those machines that have those bonuses that you work towards them and you know they'll show fire and smoke and all of that as you get more of them they're still random so they're actually not triggered based on that it just shows the amount of time you've done through it so there's a lot of craziness with slots these days you know there's people that claim there's always this guy on youtube years ago claimed that he could tell you all these uh, tricks and tips to save on slots and everything else but i don't think it works i think vegas matt lost a little bit on this go although he has several videos he's done that in several high limit rooms so you know, he gets around playing the game, sometimes five spins, sometimes 10. Yeah, I think anybody that does the our tips and tricks uh, type of thing and sells a package, if it was really that good, they wouldn't tell anybody and they would just be making tons of money off it themselves. So anybody that's selling you something like that definitely is a scam. Do not give them your money. Uh, you know, nothing like that is work. You know, there are ways in the casino to tip the advantage to you. Certain games, mostly table games, stuff like that. But that takes years of, of practice and, and a lot of money uh, that you're going to lose along the way learning the ropes. So I definitely don't think there's a get rich quick type of scheme out there. Yeah, and slot channels, I don't think that's a get rich quick kind of scheme so those people on those slot channels seem to be losing uh, more than they take in but they're having fun shout out to vegas matt i love your videos and uh, you're making it all look good and those big bets are exciting to watch So, Mark, did you see that picture of the bat that this family found in their room at New York, New York? Apparently, it was flying around in the curtains. The dad went and killed it. He puts it out in the stairwell or something. Next day, he goes and tells the front desk, goes home to Arizona. They say, you got to get rabies shots because we don't know if the bat had rabies. Now they're suing New York, New York and MGM, basically saying they were negligent. I don't know, like... Why didn't they bring the bat downstairs right away? They threw it in the stairwell. What do you think? I think it was their pet or something. I think this is a scam. <laughs> no. When I first saw the headline, I was like, okay, you know, it, I think they're asking for like 15, 16,000, nothing like outrageous testing, all that stuff. I get it. But then, uh, then you hear the whole story where they dealt with this on their own and there was like eight people in the room or something like crazy like that. And 
you know, they didn't alert anyone. If I have a bat in my room, I go outside and I go down to the desk and I say, hey, send somebody up to take care of that. I don't wrangle it myself and then put it in the hallway. And then the next day be like, hey, by the way, killed a bat. And then get mad when they throw it away. (laughs) It just makes those beautiful New York, New York rooms even better, Mark. It's because they're basements and the bats want to live in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Like big stories and big properties and things we're going to talk about this week including Resorts World. And this was a weird thing because somebody tagged me in a tweet showing the food hall there on uh, Wednesday night, I think, or Tuesday night around 8.30. And I guess Monday through Thursday or whatever, they're closing half the food hall. It's not even open. And, you know, it made me think about how big that food hall is compared to some of the others. Like they have so many different venues in there. Uh, But then the next day, 7 p.m. in the casino and it was empty. So I don't know if this is what's happening on the rest of the strip. I haven't really seen empty casinos this week. So uh, it's interesting. Is Resorts World struggling? We don't know. Yeah, I mean, the complaint since they opened was that you didn't have late night eats or or anything past like eight, nine o'clock at night. So I couldn't even imagine if I went there during midweek and they have all their food. They don't have a ton of other food options outside of that that are probably open or, or, you know, vibrant at that time. So that's like your grab and go type spot. And then you have to go out into like the mall area to, to sit down at some other dining area. But those are all high end, higher end, expensive restaurants. So you don't really have anything. So so now you're going off property. Maybe you're going to ta- the Tacos El Gordo across the street or Pepper Mill, something like that. But you're losing that business. I guess there isn't really any business there. Uh, it's kind of crazy. It looks like Virgin Hotels. Uh, you know, everybody take a sip for Virgin. Virgin, <laughs> we got the Virgin Hotels mentioned. <laughs> the good thing for Resorts World is it's a new property, so it doesn't have any leaks. So uh, well, just a foreshadow to what's happening later Look in the, the show. But it's, yeah, because <laughs> like half the strip was is leaking. It's It's insane. But yeah, I, I, we'll see. I mean, I was there on Cinco de Mayo, obviously. That was during the week, but it was a holiday packed, you know, and I, that was my last time really spending a lot of time at the property, like spending an entire evening there. Every other time I've been there recently, it's been fairly busy. So maybe it's just a slow week, probably no conventions there. We'll see, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that for everybody. I just realized on this show, we're going to talk about all the villains of uh, Las Vegas, the current villains of Las Vegas. So let's start with James Dolan. Although I don't know if he's a villain of Las Vegas. A lot of people don't like him, but he brought this fear here. So I guess for Las Vegas, not really a v- villain, but we learned a, a few he's other things. He's a villain things of and, Knicks fans. For sure. And uh, one crazy story is he built a $2.1 billion sphere. A couple other things he mentioned in uh, like an interview is that they're going to have robots and holograms and they're doing all that with their sort of theater show, the movie that we've talked about so much. Uh, so they're going to make it more, it sounds like almost like a theme park pre-show, you know, attraction before you go into the movie. So, uh, yeah, some interesting things as it comes. They're also, you know, still looking for more residencies. We saw a look inside, another leaked look inside of the screen. This time it wasn't deleted, so I can show it to everybody. And then Tommy Lee posted a video inside the sphere on Instagram, leading to some speculation. Is Motley Crue or Tommy Lee himself, are they coming to the sphere for a residency? The first thing you look at, you're like, oh, did they get hacked? What is this? But they're just testing the video. It's like a double-edged sword, though. I feel like the coolest, uh, mo- best view of, of the immersion for the screens is like the top back. But you, when you see the stage, you're like really, really far away from the stage. It's not a all seats are good seats for seeing the show up front. But, you know, do you want to be more seeing the, the people perform or do you want to more see videos? It'll be kind of, you know, for the movie aspect, I'm guessing you want to be upper deck probably to, to get all of that. But maybe for a show, you want to be kind of down center. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see once people are in there and, and you see stuff go live, which which area is better or what the best seats are for that type of thing. It's funny. I had the same exact thought. I was looking at those videos being like, where would be the best place to sit for this, to be able to see the show, see the screen. 
Definitely not all the way on the bottom, right? Obviously, you'd see the performers really close. I think the very top, like those 400 levels, you're probably missing some of the screen above. I don't know. I think like the 300 level, but it'll be interesting to see once it opens, we'll get a better idea. It's not like a traditional thing where you can say, yeah, closer is better. There's got to be some sweet spots in there. And I look forward to hearing about that. Dolan also talked about other spheres. When they first announced the Vegas sphere, they... uh also announced a sphere in London, released concept art, and then that project has sort of just gone away or we haven't heard anything about it. They do mention that they're still working on that project and also that they've developed different versions of the sphere that could be as small as 2,500 seats. As a reminder, this has, I think, 17,500 with seating for up to 20K with like standing people in the back, stuff like that. So maybe one-tenth, one-ninth, one-eighth the size. So they're going forward with this. So I hope it's a financial success for them. Yeah, that, that kind of like opens my mind up to a bit or my eyes up like maybe this is just like proof of concept vegas they didn't care about the 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 expenditure so much and they want to sell whatever they've designed out of this you know like lease it to people the uh, the concept the design and they'll make money and fees off of that building these around the world and and taking a cut uh that type of thing i don't know if that's what they're looking to do or if they're trying to you know bring up some money that they'll invest themselves uh, for it but it just it does seem like hey we're going to show you what this can be how cool it is and then you can pay us to build it other places even small ones which i think makes more business sense than trying to make it all back off of this one sphere but it'll be interesting to see if that plays out long term or if they just end up killing at the sphere and making the money back that way. I'm still skeptical uh, that it will be a positive business experience, but I think it'll be really cool when it's all done. You're just waiting for the MGM sphere. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Watch out. 2030 MGM sphere unveiled. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, let's talk about the rain, Mark. So we had Hurricane Hillary. She kind of missed us. Didn't get that much rain. We were projected to get between two and three inches of rain in a matter of four to six hours with Hurricane Hillary. Well, a tiny like summer monsoon, which we get in Las Vegas, these kind of storm clouds that pass through, rains for an hour, doesn't even always rain all over the city. Like, for example, this cloud came through the other day. I got barely any rain at my house. They got up to like half an inch at Bellagio. UNLV got about a third of an inch. Other areas of the strip a little bit less in about 30 minutes. And everything went to hell, Mark. Like we missed the hurricane and then some little storm cloud comes through (laughs) and the whole city. And I mean it like Harrah's. Did you see Winnie and Buck where they used to be? The entire roof collapsed. Vital Vegas said it was the revenge of Winnie and Buck. So uh, good on Winnie and Buck for coming back from the dead. Then Paris started leaking and then Bellagio started leaking. And then there was a video of Top Golf leaking and everything else going to hell. And of course, your favorite, the Link uh, flood down there. As people like to point out, it was designed that way, Mark. It is a flood channel. But I think you and I both agree, Stupid. maybe it's time to redesign <laughs> it 50 years later or for, you know, is the yeah. 70s when that was built. There was so much crazy footage. I can't imagine what would happen if the hurricane came. Yeah, I, I hope we get to use the Hillary meme again. You know, the the storm meme. <laughs> Any reason to bring that up again is great. So uh, hopefully we, we, Sean throws it up on the screen. But no, it's just crazy. You know, you see these videos, you're like, wow, they must have got pounded. And then you're like a third of an inch and you're oh, okay you're like and this happens every year you think they would figure out a way to design the buildings or retrofit the buildings to make sure that they're not getting poured on at least it wasn't like circa when the vid- water was coming through the sportsbook screens that was still the craziest thing i think i've seen from rain uh, in vegas but flooding you know even the streets and parts of vegas were flooded really badly and then other parts of vegas got no rain it's it's totally bizarre on a side note i don't know if i've ever talked about this for people in las vegas but if it's raining go to the adventure dome the entire dome has leaked since it was built 
It's never been airtight. So if you walk around Adventure Dome, there's literally buckets so that it can catch all the water coming through. It's a lot of fun. I don't think that's so, a good time. Yeah, so go do that. <laughs> uh, but I, I wonder if this is really the deferred maintenance. We've talked so much about how buildings and the maintenance have kind of changed since the ownership of the building and the operations has changed in a lot of these casinos, especially the MGM and Caesars casinos. And I wonder if like some of that deferred maintenance is finally hurting them. I don't remember seeing this widespread flooding like all over the city and uh, multiple properties. And uh, yeah, it was an insane site. So we've got our crazy videos that we thought we were going to get with Hillary, but it was just some random monsoon. Yeah, I think there's something to play in that. But I also think that they have design flaws. I mean, look at Circa, it's what, two, three years old, and they're getting pounded last year. So I don't know. I don't know if anybody doesn't consider the rain or the monsoon season that happens in Vegas every summer, but you know, somebody, whoever builds the next one, hopefully Fountain Blue has that set up that they know what they're doing and they don't get flooded, you know, year one that they're open. What are the odds that the Fountain Blue has a leak in its first year, uh, given everything we've seen? It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> we just don't <laughs> know how to handle rain. So uh, Formula One back in the news again, we are going to have to talk about them because they did something good. This is our second sort of villain of Las Vegas. And you know, they had gone to every business and basically said, you have to pay us $1,500 a person for your occupancy. So if you have a thousand people, 1,500 times a thousand, just like that. And there was a lot of backlash. And now they sort of backtracked a little bit. Now they're charging 50K for the entire venue. And this will get them access to the feed and get them the ability to sell packages and, you know, viewing. And they're not going to block their views and everything. So they backtracked on it. Are you happy about this? I mean, I think this is what they should have done in the first place. I'm glad people, you know, fought back a little bit. But it's a little strange how this race has come together with Formula One coming to the government, asking for more money, you know, really destroying the streets for a long time without announcing the full scale of it, but kind of roll it out in piecemeal. And then this, it hasn't been a good start, but I'm glad to see that they changed their minds. I think this is good. You know, it makes sense for everybody. I understand they want to get money for their product if somebody's able to view it. So I don't have the problem with the setting a fee. And I think a, a set fee, because not everybody on these terraces or restaurants or anything like that are going to have a view of it. So to charge everybody the same fee, even if you're in, in the back and you can't see anything, I think is ridiculous. So the flat fee, I mean, 50K is still a burdensome thing to take on unless you can sell these tickets. And we've seen, you know, Ellis Island hasn't been able to sell their tickets very much since they launched. And so who knows how well this will do. Maybe it will be a money losing thing for the venues. We'll only have to see how that plays out. But I think think this is a better fit for everybody and they still get their money and hopefully the restaurants can make money off of it too. Yeah, this feeds more into the narrative of Formula One helping Las Vegas and helping Las Vegas businesses instead of Formula One trying to come and take all the money out of the economy, which is what it seemed to happen, or at least the hotels got some of the stuff, but these smaller businesses uh, need that. And I'm glad that they're doing that. We also saw the bridge that they built one of those temporary bridges, uh, the one that's uh, going over Harmon. And we saw it testing with like a cat bus, one of our RTC buses. And it was kind of cool. I mean, it's interesting that they built this thing. It's going to be up there for a couple of months and two lanes in each direction. Kind of fun. I wouldn't want to drive on it. No. <laughs> I mean, it looks fine. <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> it looks okay until it doesn't. But you know, the bus is going down the middle. And you're going to have two buses on there. It didn't seem like there's a ton of room for it. So it's going to be tight. It's going to be slow moving. It's going to be a, a mess of traffic and people getting clearance to go through. And oh, man, just craziness. Yeah, you're right. The bus did drive in the middle because they're still testing and to be safe. But yeah, there's not going to be any high speed driving over this bridge. It's going to be very slow. And to your point, you're not allowed inside the race zone unless you have reservations or something. So uh, hopefully they're going to try to keep people off of it. But th this is the way that they're going to help 
get people in and out of the resort corridor for the race with these bridges. That's the answer to the question that everybody asked. How are people going to get to work? How? Yep, this is it. You're going to sit in traffic for two hours Terrible. on one of those temporary bridges. But it's better than <laughs> nothing, Mark. It's better than uh, better uh, than nothing. I'm telling you what, I would get an Uber from the airport and have them drop me off outside the zone and I would walk in with my luggage. I would not want to sit in that. It's just going to be nuts. It's going to be it, just prepare to be frustrated. Like get your, your Zen on before you start uh, moving your way into this. Yeah, it's like New Year's Eve on the strip. It's the same kind of thing where it's just a hassle and then you finally get to where you go, you have fun. And then, uh, you know, it's like a three mile walk to get back to your car because you got to figure out where it was. Because that's what I always did. I would park outside the resort areas and then walk in uh, because it was just so hard back in the day to do that. But I'm old, Mark, and I haven't been to the strip on New Year's Eve for a while. So can't really speak to that experience these days, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, that's how we are. We're old rollers. Yeah. So, uh, Let's talk about the A's. John Fisher, the A's owner, just had an interview with the Review Journal because the A's finally submitted their paperwork to Major League Baseball for their relocation. That's the official sort of process. Now the owners and the commissioner will kind of evaluate it and then they will vote and we expect them to vote to approve it, uh, basically. I mean, they've been behind this all along. But he does this really extensive interview and they, he answers a lot of questions that are very interesting. Has he considered selling? He says, no, I'm not going to sell the team. He says, I've owned the team since 2005, and I've been looking for a new home for them since then. Now, this is a guy who is widely criticized for not embracing the Oakland city. And here he is saying, I bought the team 20 years ago. And since that day, I've been trying to move them or at least get them a new home, you know, maybe a new stadium in Oakland. Uh, he also said that the A's are going to lose $40 million this year, which I haven't heard of a major league sports franchise losing money. Now, remember, the A's are in risk of losing their profit sharing, right? If they didn't get a stadium deal by, the, I think, the end of January of next year, they were going to lose their profit sharing. I always assumed the profit sharing really drove them into the green, but he seems to be saying no. I'm skeptical of this, you know, and I'm sure there's some funny accounting they get to to get this and get a tax rebate or write-off or whatever. I'm like, okay, maybe they're spending a lot on their lease. I looked that up. They paid $1.2 million last year for the Coliseum. So, you know, and they're not refurbishing that or fixing it up in any way. So there's no money going there. So I don't know. You know, this is all before ticket sales merchandise sales, concession sales, which I know they don't sell a ton of tickets, but still you're getting all that money. I don't know where you're, you know, you're already 40 million under, and then you're saying you're losing another 40 million on top of that. I, I just don't see it. That's cheap. What is that? Like under 10 K a game? That's insane. <laughs> it just doesn't add up to me. And I'm definitely no expert uh, for MLB teams, but it, the math, it seems a bit funky. What I found interesting in this interview is he's very careful to say how the other owners and the commissioner have all the power here, like to to not try to overstep his bounds, uh, you know, and to give them the respect because they are really deciding this. So they asked about the Las Vegas ballpark, the home of the aviators, and whether that's where they would play after next season because they only are allowed to stay in the Oakland Coliseum, at least as of their lease as of now, through the end of next season. And uh, he basically said there's some improvements needed. It's up to Major League Baseball on where they'll play. So the commissioner and the other owners will decide where they play in the interim while they build their stadium. And then he dropped this thing in there. The question was, are you considering a fixed roof or are you sticking with a retractable roof? Remember, they were very, very adamant in all of their proposals and the law that they got passed, all the funding that they got, that this was a retractable roof stadium. And of course, now that they got their money, they're not doing the retractable roof. He hedges a little bit, but if he hedges, you know they're not building that retractable roof. Yeah, and that just goes to show that whenever you give public funding, they never you know follow through. There should be stipulations. If you don't, you don't you know once you put the retractable roof in, you get this chunk of money and that type of thing. But they never write it in that way, so they always back down and, and do less than what they promise. And you know that will be sad because you know certain months of the year, April, May. 
even into like, you know, end of September, Vegas is great at night and you want that roof open. So that's something, you know, an experience that you won't get now if they don't add it in. So hopefully, you know, he gets a lot of backlash for that and they, they put it in. Just more confirmation that that concept art was BS, right? It's not a real stadium. This was just something they threw together to get it in front of lawmakers. The stadium <laughs> Where was the casino? Like that. Yeah, exactly. And it was, we knew that when it came because it was a ridiculous concept art. But he said they haven't made their final decision yet. Again, this was always pitched as a retractable roof stadium, never pitched as a dome. But he said, even if it's a fixed dome, which we know it's going to be a fixed dome, it will have large openings and a lot of clarity in the roof structure and walls that it will have a feeling of being outdoors, even though you have a roof over your head. So that's what you're going to get on the strip. They'll put some windows so you can see the strip in the background, maybe similar to Allegiant, I guess. Yeah, that's a shame. You know, baseball is meant to be outside, at least, you know, not in the, the heat of the summer, but the, the shoulder seasons, you should have that uh, roof open and get the views. You know, that's the big thing. That was the big selling feature that you get awesome views of the strip you know from the backstop look watching from behind home plate and it was going to be spectacular and now you're probably not going to get most of that all right last thing we're a little long on this subject but we have to talk about the mark davis and fisher feud right these guys really don't like each other mark davis thinks that fisher sort of screwed him as the raiders were leaving oakland and in this interview he sort of admits it he apologizes and says it was his fault he didn't make it easy on the raiders when they were leaving uh, mark davis has said basically the a's signed a lease with the coliseum in order to block the Raiders from getting a new stadium on that site. And he seems to be trying to make nice with Mark Davis as he moves here. So he was a little humble in that interview. And I think probably Mark Davis appreciated that, but I doubt they'll be, uh, you know, hanging out anytime soon. Well, he was like, uh, you know, I want the Raiders have been successful. I want to know how they've been successful. They sell 60% of their tickets to the visiting team. That's how they're successful. They have done a good job, a better job than I think a lot of people expected as far as uh, coming here and, and being in the community. And I'll give them credit for that uh, as far as what Mark Davis has done, a team that was very sort of divisive when it came. But yeah, he's looking to them and the Golden Knights and to see what's going on. So I don't know. I left this thinking at least he was a little humble in this interview. I don't have all the personal history that a lot of A's fans do who hate him. So uh, hopefully we will uh, move along here. We should know in the next couple months with the approval, and then they'll start with everything else. And then we might actually get to see what the stadium is going to look like because we know that big concept arch thing ain't going to happen. So uh, good old Las Vegas smoke and mirrors. Turn of events. It's going to be at the All Net Arena. <laughs> there you go. So let us know what <laughs> you think about anything we talked about today. The All Net Arena, Mark's favorite thing. You know, we've got a couple of MTM Vegas uh, drinking game uh, references in here today. Throw it up. So it's, it's good stuff. Although poor Chris Angel wasn't mentioned. So... Uh, We'll have to do better. Thank you for listening to the MTM Vegas podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube where we release the show twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. And all of our Vegas content can be found at mtmvegas.com. That's posts, podcasts, videos. See you there. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time. Hold up. 